Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 88. That's the year I was born, 1988. Today I have on Jenny Radosevich from the amazing blog, I Spy DIY. Jenny has had a pilot show on HGTV. She's written a book. She had a product line. I mean, this girl is doing it all and she is doing it all in Milwaukee. We are going to talk about the smoke and mirrors game that is social media, what things can look like to the outside world, but what's really going on behind the scenes and how we are choosing to navigate all of that moving forward. If anything, you're going to feel a little more normal and a little less alone after listening to this interview. It's such a good one. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey, hey, it's Jenna here, and usually this is the point of the show where podcast hosts talk for a solid five minutes about some product that you need to purchase or a coupon code, and maybe you're like me and you just fast forward through it to get to the actual content, but fear not, friends, you don't have to do that here. I have dropped all of my sponsors in an attempt to get back to why I started this whole thing, which is to bring you the best free education twice a week, so today's show isn't brought to you by a paid sponsor. It's actually brought to you by my free Instagram guide, Captions That Convert. That's right. I made a totally free guide dissecting captions that don't just get likes and comments, but captions that actually convert your followers into paying clients. Because what good is that number under your name if it's not showing results in your bank account? Grab this free resource and more at jkinsta.com. That's right. We all love free, so hop to www.jkinsta.com and up-level your Instagram game in no time. Let's dive on into today's show. 
Hey, gold diggers. It's Jenna Kutcher. I'm hanging out with the incredible Jenny Radosevich. We are recording this for the second time, and that's how much we love you because we are having technical difficulties. And so Jenny's story is just way too good to let it slip by. I got this girl on the line. I got a keeper. So if you don't know Jenny, Jenny is the founder of I Spy DIY, which is an incredible DIY blog. I swear every project this woman touches is pure gold. She recently had a pilot show on HGTV. She lives in Milwaukee, so I love my Wisconsin girl. And today we're going to talk through all different things from growing your business to what the reality of running an online business really looks like, how to navigate those hard seasons, and we're talking about failure. So welcome to the show again. (laughs) Hello, hello. (laughs) We're like going to be seasoned professionals by the time this sucker actually happens. So it's, it's my first podcast podcast and somehow I've already managed to mess something up. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. So let's dive on in. I want for you to tell people kind of the story of iSpy DIY, how you got your start and what that's looked like as you've transitioned over the last seven years. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's so fun to see other Wisconsin girls kicking butt online and just doing really amazing things. And we got to, we like met like, oh my gosh, how many years ago was that now? Like two or three years ago, Jenny came to my house and we shot a tutorial about coloring your hair and it was amazing. (laughs) Like actually I colored my hair in the middle of your dining room. (laughs) It was really, really awesome. But yeah, so I Spy DIY, yeah, is a DIY do-it-yourself blog and I'm from Wisconsin, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which is now kind of an infamous city, but I wanted to get out of it pretty much forever. I always wanted to move to New York. So as soon as I graduated from college, I packed up a U-Haul with my best friend and we moved out to New York with no money, no job. And the goal was to work at a fashion magazine. And, you know, my first job, I was making no money living off saltines. And somehow I applied for an internship at InStyle. And the girl was Ukrainian and she liked my Croatian last name. And so she hired me, which was amazing. And I ended up spending six years working at InStyle. And it's where I learned everything about Manhattan and working at a super fast pace. And I made all my friends there and held on during the recession to a job. And, you know, obviously doing the same thing for six years in a magazine industry where you're working on a monthly magazine can get a little fatiguing. So at one point I started doing more craft projects and making things and looking for an outlet. And my first blog, which I... One of my friends at InStyle was blogging and I'm like, that's cool. I want to do that. It was called Daily Work It. And I went around and I took photos of the girls at the magazine wearing different trends. So everyone would be wearing denim one day. And I was like, trending at InStyle today, denim. And I thought (laughs) I was so cool until the editor-in-chief was like, yeah, you can't do that. (laughs) So (laughs) then I started kind of doing just more DIY projects. Those were doing really well on my blog. And by really well, it was like, instead of 30 people looking at it, 100 people were looking at it. And I started making, Michael Coors was really cool at that time. So everyone was wearing these grommet bags and grommet tops. So I was making my own grommet top. 
And one of the editors at InStyle was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Is that Michael Coors? <laughs> and I was like, no, I did it myself. And she was like, that's amazing. You need to have an article in the magazine. And she was like, bring in three ideas tomorrow. I would love to see like a couple options. And of course, I was like, this is my big break. So the next day <laughs> I rounded up like 20 projects that I had made. I like, I got the conference room and I laid them all out and I was like, welcome to my DIY empire. And they loved it. And they were like, we're going to give you a full page. And it ended up, I think being like a five page story that they asked a bunch of fashion designers to make something. And then I had my whole page at the end with a bunch of projects on. And that story ended up being the, one of the highest rated stories in the September issue, which was like, I don't know, six or 700 pages at that time. And from there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I had every person I had ever met in my entire life email in to InStyle saying, this is so amazing. You have to give this girl a column. She needs a DIY column. And it was funny. My mom wrote in from like her email, but as like different people. And I was like, ma, everyone can <laughs> see that it's from Sherry Radosvich at yahoo.com. But so they ended up giving me a DIY column that ran for two years. But honestly, so much like my big break was that story in the September issue because from there, Random House reached out to me and they asked me if I could, if I wanted to do a DIY book. And at that point, my website was only, I Spy DIY was only like three months old because when I was doing the art, you know, a magazine works three months out. So they were like, okay, we can promote your website, but you have to have a website. So I like learned code that night, created <laughs> I Spy DIY, put it up so they could fact check it and say, yes, I Spy DIY exists. And then, you know, the three months before the article came out, I worked on getting a bunch of content up there. So when the article came out, like CNN was contacting me and all these different news sources because quote unquote DIY was this new trend that no one had ever heard of before. And it was the whole rebrand of crafting. So it somehow became newsworthy. And I was really thrown into this whole world of being a professional DIY blogger. And from there, things just kind of kept going up. For that next year, I was writing a book, working full time at InStyle, trying to keep up full time, like, you know, pumping out content for I Spy DIY. And then of course, like living that 20 something life in New York, going out all the time and not sleeping. So I was just really burning myself out. But, you know, and that's kind of when I really found out, you know, I started with this whole idea that you really have to come up with a persona that you are you know, my blog, like my magazine girl that was running around town doing all these amazing things, writing a book, when in the background I could barely pay rent and I wasn't sleeping. And, you know, you kind of learned that whole idea of how you have to project an image. And mm -hmm. that's when social media started. And like I said, I've told the story a million times on kind of the whole process of how I spy DIY came to be about, which is like a very lovely serendipitous story. But in the background, you know, I was working my tail end off. And at that time I was going through, you know, a pretty devastating breakup. And like I said, I was 
trying to write a book. They gave me really little guidance at all on what to do. They were like, here's some money. Here's three months. Uh, come back with a full book. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I was, I flew back to Wisconsin and I set up a quote unquote photo studio in my basement. Like I use no natural light. I use my dad's like garage lights in the basement. I had, I bought a, like a super inexpensive uh, Canon camera. I had no idea how to use it. And I shot 30 DIY projects in 10 days to try to come up with all the content for the book. And I mean, some of like, I just wish I would have known what I know now because the photos were horrible and I had to spend (laughs) hours and hours and hours photoshopping them to make them look like they're on a white background. But yeah, when I came back, I was in the middle of trying to write the book and I am not a good writer. So that was a huge struggle for me. And I was going through this breakup and I was just like so stressed out. And that's when I had my first panic attack in New York. I, as I sit down, I realize I had a couple prior to that one in middle school and one when I was backpacking through Europe. And, but this was my first New York one, which maybe is kind of impressive that I made it that long, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if any, like if any of you guys, your people have had panic attacks, they're paralyzing mentally and physically. I, you know, I lost feeling in my legs and I couldn't see, and I was able to crawl over my phone and call my mom. And I had my parents on the phone and I was just hyperventilating. I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. Goodbye. Like, I'm sure that phone call was, you know, (laughs) the exact phone call you want to get from your daughter in Manhattan. But I was like, I'm dying. I'm dying. And they called 911 and the EMTs were able to break in and, and help me out because, Surprise, surprise, anxiety attacks are pretty common in Manhattan. So they were able to calm me down. And I honestly kind of wish that would have been a bit of a wake up call for me because, you know, it was that moment where I was like, okay, Jenny, your body's telling you, you need to take care of it. You need to, to chill out. And, you know, 20 something in New York, you, you think you're invincible. So, you know, I went back to my mm-hmm. lifestyle of finishing up the book. Uh, you know, I was churning out a ton of content on I Spy DIY. I was trying to keep up at my job, doing an average job of that. And, you know, still living that, you know, really glamorous blogger life of going to events all the time, you know, having that champagne and hors d'oeuvre diet and just not taking care of myself at all. And then my book came out and I ended up leaving in style because I had to go on a media tour and do a bunch of press for it and travel around for some, for a book tour. And, you know, that's a lot of people ask me, how is it living in New York? And honestly, I always say like, it is the highest highs in the world and the lowest lows because, you know, and I think a a good example of that is the day before. So With the book, even though it wasn't, quote unquote, huge success, it was great because it got me a lot of media coverage. So I was able to go on The Rachel Ray Show and Martha Stewart. And at the time, right before I was going to do all this media, I had gotten bed bugs, which (laughs) if any of your readers are from New York, it is the kiss of death. It is you become a leper. You, oh my gosh, it's like you have to dry clean all your clothes and then put them in plastic bags and wipe it down everything with 
rubbing alcohol, and then you have to live with everything in garbage bags for a month oh while they gosh. try to spray your house and get rid of them. It's also they're the itchiest things ever. So my entire, from neck down, my entire body was just covered in bug bites. And so the night before I had to go to Rachel Ray, I was sleeping on my floor with like the one sheet that I was able to wash every day to keep clean surrounded by garbage bags of my clothes (laughs) and the next morning I had to get up and go on Rachel Ray and go on national television and talk about you know my book and all this kind of stuff and you're just like how am I going my life (laughs) what is my life how am I going from like squalor to like you know to this like amazing moment and you know you I just had to fake it till I make it like you have to fake it till you make it like I you know, couldn't tell anyone that I had bed bugs because, you know, people, they're highly, you know, they spread really easily. So you're just, everyone's like, oh my gosh, how's your book going? How, what, life is so amazing. I'm seeing you all over. And you're like, life is amazing. And meanwhile, I'm like scratching my entire body. So it's covering <laughs> bug bites. But, you know, so I ended up leaving New York. We couldn't get rid of them and I had to throw away everything and kind of start all over. And it was a little bit freeing at that moment because, Although it was a bummer, it was kind of the right time where I felt good about, I threw away everything and I went on my book tour. So I just was very light. I had a couple of bags of stuff that I traveled around with and it kind of was that, you know, it was one of those things where it worked out okay. I gave up my apartment and I was able to travel around and spread the news of my book and hang out with a lot of friends and do all that. So I was going to leave New York forever because it kind of kicked my butt at the end there, but somehow it drew me back in and I moved back and I was living in my dream apartment, quote unquote dream apartment. It was a six floor walk up that was 350 square feet studio. I was paying maybe $2,500 a month for, and the walls were so paper thin. My neighbor smoked. I could hear him light up a cigarette. I was like, okay, all right. My neighbor's smoking right now. Like you could hear through the walls. And it was once again, that moment where I was running one of the more successful DIY blogs at the time, you know, Like I said, they were still covering me on all these crazy news sources and my book was getting all this attention, but I was living and working out of this teeny apartment, photographing my projects on the roof when it wasn't raining or when I had enough sunlight, just really trying to put off this persona that I had everything together and I was running this big business when it was just this one woman show trying to photograph things in her teeny tiny studio. And that year was really tough because living and working in the same space that's so small mentally starts to wear on you. Like there's no different. I mean, I always just felt like I needed to have my laptop on my lap and be working because why am I just going to sit what on the couch? What else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I just going to, if I'm not, if I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, like I should be doing something. I should be posting mm-hmm. on Facebook or or doing stuff. So there was just no separation between work and life. And I kind of, you know, fell into just, just not a great state then because, you know, like I was still going to all the parties and doing all the blogger things. But at that point, like the blogger scene had become really exhausting. We were kind of running into the same people all the time and the conversation ended up, you know, turning really surface. And I started just feeling like, 
there's gotta be more to this, right? There's gotta be more than being like, oh my God, uh, on Instagram, like this happened yesterday and this happened. And I can't believe this person only sent me one pair of shoes when they should have sent me five. And I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, what's the direction of this? What's the outcome? And I'm just not really forming the relationships with people that I feel comfortable with. So I went home for Christmas that year. This was three or four years ago. And I told my sister about how I just wasn't doing well. And she was like, let's just go look at some warehouse studios here. Let's just go look at some places in Wisconsin and see what's available just for fun. You like looking at real estate. Let's go do that. So I found the studio that I ended up getting. It was so cheap for how much square footage I had. It was blowing my mind. It was like 700 bucks for like a thousand square feet, which is like unheard of in Manhattan. Like it just wouldn't have existed. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is pretty amazing. Like I could have this. And then I also, we went to go look at apartments and I found this amazing warehouse loft apartment that would have been thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in New York, but was in my budget. And I was like, this, this could be good for me. Like this could be an option. But I was at that point, I was too afraid of leaving Manhattan. Cause I was like, what will happen to I spy DIY? What will happen to my credibility? I'm a New York logger. Mm-hmm. Like this is the persona I've put out there. If I move back to Wisconsin of all places, I'm going <laughs> to fall off the face of the earth. No one's going to want me to do projects for them or host events. So I hopped on a plane that night after looking at everything and obviously had a lot on my mind and I fell asleep on the flight and I woke up and I was already mid panic attack at that point. And, you know, from the first one, I had kind of learned a bunch of coping mechanisms, but at this point I was already mid panic attacks. Once it starts, you can't stop it. So I was able to get out of my seat and I was walking up to the stewardess and I got out the words, I am having, and then black, blackout. And oh next thing I know, I woke up and I was laying on my back in the middle of the aisle on a plane. And I was like, obviously mortified because everyone can see you and you're just like uh, laying on the floor oh. on a plane. And Thankfully, there was, you know, there was a doctor on there, so he helped take care of me, and the stewardess was so sweet and, you know, got my blood sugar up, and so I I wasn't faint anymore. And, you know, she was sitting with me, and she's like, oh, my goodness, like, I feel so bad for you. Like, do you have someone to come pick you up at the airport? Like, who is someone going to come get you? And, you know, in Manhattan, it's $60, a $60 cab to get to the airport. And I was like, no one's going to, I mean, I'm sure if I would have asked someone, but like, I didn't want to put someone else to go pick me up at the airport and spend all that money. And I didn't have enough money to even pay for the cab back. So I, you know, took the subway back and that's an hour long ride. And during that ride, I was just like, I think that was the sign. That was the sign that I got to leave. Like Manhattan is rejecting me. The thought of coming back here has sent me into a panic attack. Like I got to go. And I really quietly, my lease was up that next month and I didn't renew it. And I very quietly moved out of Manhattan. I told like my closest, closest friends, but everyone else, you know, within two months I was gone and moved to Milwaukee and I moved in with my sister and I got that studio space And, you know, I didn't tell anyone for a lot of, for actually quite a few years that I had left Manhattan. I was still going back a couple times a month and keeping up appearances. And, you know, I thought 
because I had created this persona, I had to live up to that. And I was terrified of letting people know that I had moved back to Wisconsin. So it was a weird few years. Like I had this really amazing studio space and everyone was like, oh, how can you afford that in Manhattan? You must be doing so well. Is that in Brooklyn? Like, where is that? It must be outside of Manhattan. And I was like, oh yeah, it's outside. You know, it's just a little outside of Manhattan. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, Brooklyn, right? And I'm like, yeah, a little a little bit farther, uh, Wisconsin. And, you know, if people asked me, I would tell them, but I would never, you know, I would still say, I, and to be honest, I, I was technically splitting time because I, I was back there a lot, but I, home base was here. But then the craziest thing happened since I had more space and I had this amazing studio brands were wanting, you know, I started shifting into home decor and brands were really excited because I had more space to shoot stuff. And I had, it was, I was learning more about photography and I was able to hire people to help me with photography. So I, you know, my content was getting better, which meant that bigger brands and bigger deals were coming my way. And whenever I would tell a PR brand, oh yeah, you can send the product. Here's my address. And it was in Wisconsin. They were like, oh, we thought you were in New York. I was like, oh, no, I'm in Wisconsin. And they're like, yeah, that's no problem. Okay, cool, whatever, move on. So as that happened, you know, I started to get, feel more comfortable with it. And, you know, at that point, I started looking for more real estate here. And I started looking at houses. And I started, I met up with one of my friends at a wedding. And Mike, he was flipping houses here in Milwaukee for the last seven years. So I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's the ultimate DIY project, right? To, to mm -hmm. renovate houses. And so I started working on that. And from there, that's, you know, kind of brings us to present day with my pilot on HGTV, which started, well, doo -doo -doo. we flipped the house last summer and the concept idea for it started maybe six months before that. So we're, I guess it's almost two years ago that that whole idea was born. And last summer I was once again, just, I mean, if, with people that were following me on Snapchat, they saw that I was sleeping a couple hours a night. I was mm -hmm. flipping this house in secret while filming, while the blog was doing the best it's ever been doing. So I was putting up like four posts a week, which is a lot for, you know, a DIY blog. And I was just, I was just going crazy, like trying to do all this kind of stuff. And this earlier this year, I was finally able to announce that I had the HGTV pilot and that was like, just like something that I had been keeping bottled up for so long. And <laughs> I feel like at that moment too, I, at that point I wasn't hiding that I lived in Wisconsin. Like if you followed me on any sort of social media, you would realize, but I wasn't ever like tagging Wisconsin in my Instagrams or anything mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, three years later, I finally announced that, Hey, I've been living in Wisconsin and I'm flipping houses and I have a pilot on HGTV surprise. And so that aired a few times, three times. And then a few months ago, we found out that HGTV passed on it. And so right now I've kind of just been navigating life after that and trying to figure out my next big thing. And I know when I initially was emailing you about talking on this today, I, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, some of those things that if someone would look at my path 
they would mm-hmm. be like, wow, Jenny's written a book. And then, you know, I had a product line when I moved to Wisconsin, someone reached out to me to do a product line. And then the timing on that ended up just being a bummer because it launched while I was filming my HGTV pilot, which I was just spread so thin at that point. Mm -hmm. The launch, I just wasn't able to promote it. And, you know, you see someone that has all these things and for me, a lot of them haven't been huge successes. Like the book was fine. It got me on the shows and got me notoriety and all that kind of stuff. But the book wasn't a huge bestseller on the New York Times. And then the product line kind of was a mediocre, you know, I just wasn't able to promote it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the sales were okay. And then the TV pilot didn't get picked up. And you start to be like, holy crap, I'm doing all these big things, but if they're not wild successes, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Am I failing at these things? Which, you know, I've done, spent a lot of time thinking about that. And A, I think it's important to just look at a lot of social media and a lot of bloggers today and realize that a lot of it's smoke and mirrors, like Mm -hmm. a lot of it's smoke and mirrors. And then also, you know, with each one of those failures, there's been really good things that have come out of it, which is so cliche. Like everyone says that, oh, you can learn from your failures. And And you don't like it when you're in them, but. I know, I know, you know, you're like, I can learn from my failures, but (laughs) I don't know. Each thing has kind of taken me a step closer to kind of doing what I want to do. And it's weird. I know a lot of people like I had the news that the HGTV pilot didn't get picked up for a couple of weeks and I sat with it because I didn't feel like announcing it because and I know a lot of people were it was so amazing. Wisconsin was Milwaukee rallied around me in the most amazing, amazing way. I mean, the news sources and people here like were so behind what we had done for the pilot and I was so proud of it. And ultimately when it didn't get picked up, I felt like I was letting a lot of people down and I was a little hesitant to announce it because I just didn't want to bum people out. Mm -hmm. And then selfishly, I was fatigued of talking about it. Like Mm -hmm. it had been such a big deal for so many people and myself for so long that it was just always a topic of conversation. And at that point I was, I was done. I was, I just, I didn't want to talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. Like, I don't know, serendipity, right? Like how things kind of happen in life. At that point I fostered some puppies, a mama and her puppy who I ended up adopting the puppy, but I was exhausted. I was like taking care of these pups and I've never had a dog. They're like babies. Oh my gosh. I never had a dog before. (laughs) So I was like, and I, I had a, you know, two month old, not even two month old puppy and a mama rescue who had really been mistreated. So they both came with their challenges. And I just remember thinking like, I can't think about this pilot right now. I got to take care of my babies. Mm -hmm. And it just ended up working out. It was one of those things where once the pilot was kind of, you know, that didn't get picked up and everything. And 
I was just ready to take the focus off me for a little bit, you know, in blogging, it's the focus is on you so much all the time Mm -hmm. that I was just exhausted of being me talking about me, like Mm -hmm. anything about me. I was like, okay, now I can talk to people about my puppies. (laughs) Like This is perfect. And it just felt good to, you know, have something else to care for for a little bit. Let's be honest, we all have this love-hate relationship with Instagram, right? We find ourselves scrolling, we're hashtagging our way into oblivion, trying to crack the code on how to get more followers, and we're straight up exhausted from the rat race. I get it. That's why I want to help you. This show is made possible with the help of my totally free Insta resources that are going to help you write captions that convert, use hashtags to actually connect you to your dream clients, and so much more. Hop on over to jkinsta.com and get your hands on my resources created with you in mind. That's right. We all love free 99 and it's all waiting for you over at jkinsta.com. Go dig on in now. How are you navigating? So something I think so interesting about your story is just the smoke and mirrors and, you know, what online reality really is and what our lives really look like behind the scenes. How are you navigating it now? And what do you think was the thing that pushed you over the tipping point on that? It's an interesting still, it's an interesting juxtaposition for me because I do think now more than ever, the content that I'm posting on my Instagram is a little bit more of the picturesque side. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's tough. Like back in the day, Instagram used to be fun. It's still fun, but it used to be fun in a different way because it was very spontaneous and you would just take photos of random stuff and put it up. And it was, it wasn't so curated. It wasn't, it was just different. And I, at one point was like, let's get back to that. And then I came to the conclusion that it's just not what Instagram is anymore. It Mm -hmm. is a means for business and you have to, you know, I'm as a professional blogger, I need to kind of, I don't know, like it, I'm doing sponsored posts and I'm doing things like that. So you really, it becomes a weird situation because you want to be free and ridiculous and put whatever you want on it. But then you also have to realize that you're running a business. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of separated parts of it where Instagram images now have kind of become more of, you know, the pulled together images. And then on my stories is where I started to share a little bit more. Like I had a bunch of break-ins this year and went through, you know, some tough times with that. And I tried to share a little bit more of that story. So people, you know, could, I could interact with people more and, you know, the online world is so tough because a lot of times you're just putting stuff up there and you're not interacting with people. Mm -hmm. So Instagram stories has really been nice to get back to a place of where I feel like I can interact with people a lot more and talk with them and, you know, feel a little bit closer to my readers that way, but it's still, you know, an interesting navigation because I know a lot of the brands that I work with follow my Instagram stories and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be like, Oh, Jenny didn't, you know, couldn't get something done because she had a break in and it's it becomes tricky too. Cause you're like, you don't want to use 
like at work, you would never even be able to be like, I'm having a bad day. Let me tell you why. Like, <laughs> right. it's weird how you can kind of air whatever's going on in your life and, you know, connect with your readers that way. But also the brands that you're working with are following that. So it's been interesting to navigate. I feel like right now I have a pretty good handle on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of, you know, a couple of things that I feel like I've been doing is there was a time when I wanted to do four Instagram posts a day. I was set on four Instagram posts a day, which is a lot of content. And I was going out and I was buying stuff just so I could Instagram it. I mean, like, I don't like macaroons, like, which I know is like (laughs) such a faux pas to say, but I don't like them. But I would go and buy macaroons so I could arrange them nicely on a plate and take a photo of that and get a latte with like a little heart in it and do all that kind of stuff. I don't drink lattes and I don't like macaroons. So I would be like, okay, cool. And I would just throw those things away, which I was like, what am I doing? Like, that's so wasteful. It is not even really a representative of who I am. And at the end of the day, like, I think my readers are like, what's what is, is that bringing to them? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that bringing to them? I was talking to one of my amazing entrepreneur friends and she was saying it's low hanging fruit is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing that to get people. Cause you know, a photo It'll of that do will do well. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. And she's like, we got to challenge ourselves to come up with content that's not low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of was like, you know what? I, I want to try to, you know, provide a little bit more service and, you know, with some of my room makeovers and my renovations and, and my DIY projects, I was like, I, I'll feel better if I skip a day and don't post and then post something that I like and feel like it provides some service and, you know, helps me and my Instagram followers, like provide some sort of service. Like ultimately mm-hmm. I feel better. So with more quality over quantity. Absolutely. And then, you know, and I bet you do this cause I feel like you're good at this scheduling Instagram posts Yep. Or it's coming up with Instagram posts during business hours instead of all of a sudden it's six o'clock at night and you're like, oh crap, I didn't post anything. <laughs> oh, I got to post something. Okay. All right. Okay. So there's, you know, this, there's this in my house. There's this in my house. I can cobble these things together and just get something up there to get something up there. And, you know, I will say that I'm not the best with planning ahead on Instagram posts. I'm definitely working towards that because it feels a lot better just to, and I also am like so impatient. I know if I have a photo I like, I'm like, I just want to post this right now. (laughs) But I like that idea of, you know, working towards doing a lot of that stuff during business hours. And one big thing that I've implemented is that I set aside an hour or a certain amount of time a day to sit down and write back to all the people that are writing to me on Instagram stories as many as I possibly can. You know, some days Mm -hmm. you ask a question and it just gets buried and you're just like, Oh my gosh, I can't even keep up with that. But you know, I put up a post the other day that I was like, tell me a little bit about yourself. And so many people took the time out of their day to tell me about their renovations and what they're doing that I was like, amazing. I'm going to take some time out of my day to respond to you because ultimately like that's, 
it should be more about that back and forth and, mm-hmm. and getting to know each other and not, and I mean, you're the queen at having an amazingly engaged audience. And I just think that that's wonderful instead of kind of throwing something up there. I mean, but there's also a difference, right? Between throwing something up there and checking it every 20 minutes to see how many right. likes you have <laughs> compared to, you know, putting something up and then saying, okay, in 24 hours, I'm going to look back at that and I'm going to go and I'm going to answer all the questions and interact with my readers. So it's more of a back and forth instead of uh, me just putting things up. I think too, like when you talk to your followers, it helps you visualize who you're creating for. Because I think a lot of times we get so caught up, like we've been creating for ourselves for so long that we forget like who is actually ingesting this and what do they need? And so I'm sure when you hear stories, you're like, hey, that person is renovating this. Like I have an idea and it makes it so much more of a personal experience too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, there's been such with, you know, what's going on. I hate the word, but algorithm on Instagram. Sometimes you're like, what do people want? Like, (laughs) I like, I want to create content that you guys like, but you think that something like I put up a photo, I've been posting about my backyard quite a bit. And at one point I put up a photo of like a zoomed out shot of it. And I was like, Oh, people are going to be so fatigued of me talking about my backyard. This photo's not going to do well. And it's, you know, been my highest photo by double. And then sometimes I'll put up something that'll be like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to love this so much and <laughs> so excited. And they're like, it flops. Oh, yeah, yeah flop. Not interesting. And then you're like, should I take this down? Like, you know. what should I do? And that's been interesting. Like, I heard this, this guy speak, Pastor Dave Lutz. He is a counselor and a pastor. And he was kind of saying that this whole idea of, you know, every time you would talk, people would come up to him and be like, that is the best talk. That's the most amazing. You're the most amazing speaker. And he was saying about how he would let that praise kind of fill him up and form his Mm -hmm. identity. And, you know, and he just said that, like, that gave people the keys to how he felt. And just as easily as they could say that they liked it, they could say they didn't like it. And he just said, like, I, you know, when people praise him, he acknowledges it, but he doesn't give other people the keys. And that really resonated with me because I thought to myself, you know, it's amazing when people like my content, but it definitely shouldn't dictate how I feel that day. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if I get a lot of likes on something and listen, I'm not perfect. I was pretty jazzed when my backyard got a ton of likes and I was you know, talking to my friends being like, Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. But like at the end of the day, I was like, okay, Jenny, chill out. Like that shouldn't, you know, you love your backyard. You love your Mm -hmm. renovation. You love the work that you did. And that should be enough. Like it, you shouldn't need the validation from other people, but you know, it's tough and it's tough in an industry where so much of it is based on what people respond to. (laughs) How has your like mental state changed since coming back to Wisconsin? Like how has your life changed in that sense? You know, it's pretty crazy. I was telling you this before that like if my 25-year-old self saw my <laughs> 34-year-old self, she would be like, "What the heck happened?" Like I am, you know, living in a home that I renovated, driving a huge truck, you know, like blasting 
Sam Hunt country music and <laughs> hanging out with my little puppy all the time. And those are just like everything about that statement. I would have hated at 25. Like what? You live in a house and you have a dog. Like how are you going to jet off to, you know, <laughs> wherever you want all the time. And it's crazy. It's, I mean, I'm, I feel the happiest and most content that I've ever felt. And I, I feel like I am putting this summer I was planning on, I thought if the show got picked up that we would be filming. So I didn't really take on a ton of projects and it's ended up being kind of an amazing thing because it gave me the summer to chill out a little bit, reconnect with my family. I mean, not that I ever wasn't, I mean, hang out with my family way much more. My sister and brother-in-law moved in with Mm -hmm. me. So we hang out every day and, you know, just kind of take a step back and reevaluate and look at what next steps I want to take. And I don't put as much pressure on myself. I'm not posting as much on my blog. And, you know, ultimately, I do want to get back into blogging more and doing all that. But I, you know, it's an industry that you can get easily burnt out in. And I just feel it's tough. You know, like I said this to someone the other day, I was like, I love my life. And the only time I don't love my life is when I go on Instagram and compare it to other people's lives, which Mm -hmm. is just an absolute fail for, for me because Instagram used to be somewhere that you would just like, you know, everyone was like freer and like just talking about things that are going on. And now it's not that, and it's not entertainment anymore. So, you know, I've kind of just made a step into following the people that are really real and that, you know, they might have a beautiful feed, but they also on their stories, you know, show the behind the scenes of that and show, Mm -hmm. you know, the story and provide some sort of service. And I think my relationship with social media and internet is just the healthiest it's ever been right now. I think too, it's so funny because I feel like on this podcast, one of the biggest trends is that we all have this love hate relationship with Instagram. And I think that, you know, it's such a source of inspiration and we enjoy it and it brings us clients and all that. But then there's also this push and pull of like more reality, more real life. And it's like, I wonder when we will find this balance and what the heck that's going to look like. Because I think we all miss that spontaneity, but then we all love the pretty. And it's like, where in God? God's name, do these things mix and how do we get there? I know, right? It's tough. It's tough. And I feel it like is. there's been more than enough. There's been so many times where I've been like, man, I wish people would just be like back on how it used to be. But then the feeds that I follow are always the most curated and the prettiest ones. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, and then honestly, like, I don't know the conversation around it. Like this, this, the fact that this is even a conversation becomes like exhausting at some point. Right. Oh my gosh. What is something oh, you're excited about right now in life? Like, what are you just pumped up about? What are you working on? What's making you excited to get to work? So I am notorious for being awful with answering emails. I <laughs> am just, I hate emails. I hate I'm not like a super quick typer. Like the whole process of emails is just really exhausting to me. And 
I feel like so many people have reached out to me and I was a little overwhelmed with like the show because A, the support was amazing, but B, like, you know, a lot of people in Wisconsin wanted to reach out to me about it. And Mm -hmm. I think now I'm finally going back through that and taking the time to grab coffee with people in real life and make more of those real life connections and you know, just taking things offline a little bit and just taking things a little bit slower, not sticking my phone in everyone's face all the time to document things. And, you know, I've been looking, like I said, at uh, new houses and possibly buying a building where I would love, I mean, if we're going to just put out into the universe, like what I would love. (laughs) Yes, let's do um, it. Yeah, I would love to get a space in my area in Walker's Point, which I kind of shot myself in the foot with this because the show kind of helped hype up this neighborhood. So now (laughs) it's super tough to get anything in this neighborhood. But I would love to buy a building that I could turn into a workspace that would be a place for creatives to come, a place for creatives to work. You know, I'm seeing these pop up in different cities all over the country where it's just a space where people can do photo shoots and come work and host dinners. And, you know, ideally it would have an apartment on the top that I could, you know, do Airbnbs and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I've been searching for. And I just think it would be such a fun next project because unfortunately with the the house that we did for the show, since it was in secret, we had to skip a lot of the steps on what we did on the renovation. Mm-hmm. And I would love to kind of take people along a little bit more. And then since on the show, it was such a quick time. We fully gutted and flipped the house in three months. So there wasn't a lot of time for a ton of DIY projects. I did stuff with decor, but as far as like, you know, laying flooring and tiling and all that kind of stuff, those are skills that I've dabbled in, but I would love to, to learn more about and be able to do myself. So that's kind of what's on the horizon for uh, this girl here in Wisconsin. Yeah, I cannot wait to see what you do. So tell everyone where they can find you online so that they can all stalk you and watch us navigate this awkward world of Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I spy DIY is where I am on everything. Instagram, Facebook. I don't follow me on Twitter. I don't do Twitter anymore. And follow my new pup. I was said I would never be this girl that starts an Instagram for a puppy, but like, where do you put all the photos of them if you don't mm-hmm. have them? So good boy Griff is my uh, little puppy, my pointer pit puppies Instagram. And I've been having a lot of fun. He didn't realize that when I adopted him, he would be part of photo shoots all the time. So he's, I think he loves it. I mean, who knows? He gets a ton of treats, so it's totally fine. Yeah. So, and then, you know, my website, I Spite DIY, I've been updating periodically, but for most everything, Instagram is my jam. So that's where I've been. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on, for recording this, not once, but twice, because it was so darn good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold-digging dream chaser, you.